Yes, we do share a common yeah. language. But where I live, I've always like I, I realized later in life that it's not really Canada because the, all the Canadian culture stuff is dictated from out east. It didn't all make it out to where I grew up in Vancouver. It's sort of a, an extension of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, kind yeah. of. Like we we had. Starbucks before we had Tim Hortons. In that regard, that's a good analogy for yeah. how it's more Northwest than than um, Canadian. But it's kind of whatever. Like I listen to your show basically every week. We'll be a Canadian guest on there, and, and something will come up, and it'll be like, oh, that's just completely like music because mm-hmm. it's the um, what is it like the one quarter rule or the oh yeah the CanCon Canadian content on the radio. You have to have I think it's thirty five percent of. Yeah. Artists or over 35% of music played in an hour has to be Canadian, I believe. They taught us this in broadcasting school, and I've never needed to know it since. Uh, but it was, and they determined what is Canadian by four, four criteria, MAPL, music, artists, pr- production, and lyrics, maple. They figured out the parameters based on that acronym. <laughs> yeah, they worked they backwards. They worked backwards. So it's, yeah, the, the music and lyrics are written by a Canadian if it's produced in Canada if the artist is Canadian so there was a while where like Brian Adams wasn't considered Canadian content because he records in Britain with songs co-written by Americans I don't know how they sorted that out but I think he's Canadian again I'm several weeks behind on my podcast listening but I was listening to the conversation you were having with Graham about stomping Tom Connors Mm -hmm. and I did a little looking into him and I, I guess he rejected the Junos because they he felt that they weren't Canadian enough, that they were celebrating artists from who were doing a lot of the work outside of Canada. Maybe. I yeah, that's something I never looked into. Sure. When Graham brought it up. But <laughs> when you were reading the Wikipedia page on the show? <laughs> we didn't go that deep into it. I looked for his place of birth and date. Yeah. And found out he left home at age 13 <laughs> in 1949, which seemed like something you would leave you would maybe leave home at age 13 at, you know, in the teens or the 20s but yeah. not <laughs> like hitch a ride on a, a freight train yeah yeah, kind yeah, of deal. yeah yeah how is vancouver as far as being a place to be a comedian i mean it seems like the community is pretty supportive up there yeah it's a good community it's i don't do stand-up comedy anymore yeah. we had two comedy clubs in town and one of them closed so that is like that's a big hit to people who are making their living at it. That just—it sounds like you're describing a small town that we had two comedy clubs and one of them closed. And well, or the conversation about the Wendy's that yeah, the, closed well, the, down. The Wendy's is still open, but it's threatening to close. But I mean, this is a major city we're talking about. Well, there's but there's like tons of of venues yeah. and theaters and you know independent places, but two like like a Yuck Yucks or I, a Chuckles, one or, Yuck Yucks, yeah. And there's a place that was called the Comedy Mix, mm-hmm. and it closed. And yeah. So now there's just the Yuck Yucks. And it's like, I mean, in New York, how many oh, like comedy clubs are there? Like dozens. dozens. Yeah. But in, in Vancouver, there's no need to. Like, and uh, having done stand-up comedy, like, you, you, there are nights when they're not full. Sure. So why would you need a third one? Yeah. Or a second one, apparently. Well, it wasn't a bit. I think it was just like a personal dispute amongst the owners that closed that down. But it's just also, uh, you know, crazy uh, real estate prices. And if you're going to open a business, why would you open a stand-up comedy club? There's a pretty prominent entertainment industry there, right? I mean, it seems like just about every movie is either filmed out of Georgia or, or Vancouver. Vancouver. Yeah, it's it's... It's funny because it, like people call it Hollywood North. You visit Toronto and you or you work in the industry and you realize so much of 
all the Canadian entertainment industry is Toronto. But a lot of filming happens Filming there. happens in Vancouver, but that's just a set. Like, Vancouver isn't really, like, the center of any industry. It's just kind of like casting agents and, you know, actors getting one or two days work on Riverdale. But everyone else is, you know, flown up from L.A. and all the producers are American. So it seemed so glamorous when I was a kid and now, like, knowing people who don't quite make a living... Uh, in the entertainment industry in Vancouver, it it's not quite fair to call it Hollywood North, I don't think. It's just kind of a, um, uh, yeah, it feels like this is Vancouver is a set that they use. How long were you doing stand-up for? I would say seven years. Seven years? You just got sick of it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't for well, you. Yeah, no, it's like, uh, definitely, if someone, if, if it's not for you, sure. <laughs> then get out. <laughs> How long did it take you to figure out that it, in fact, was not for you? I Well, I started when I was 24, 25, okay. and, like, you always hear people talk about, oh, the greats all start at 16. 16. And so I had that in the back of my mind, and I was like, well, I'm never going to be one of the greats at this, and that's, I can live with that. And so I was doing it. Just, you could have been one of the goods. I could have. I was for a little while. Yeah. I was one of the okays. Yeah. So I did it for a few years and it, like more kind of to get a feel for it or comedy in general, meet to meet people. And then podcasting wasn't really a thing at that point. So we started our podcast, I think, about four years in mm-hmm. to when I was doing stand up. That felt like a much better fit for me, mm. like in terms of the things I don't like about stand up are the things that make you money. <laughs> like, the things I loved about stand-up were, like, going up at local shows uh, in front of an audience that, you know, paid $5 to get in, and you're doing a 10-minute spot for free. That Those are always the best. Doing a weekend at a comedy club mm. was not for me. Uh, leaving town to go to a different comedy club, oh, I hated it so much. And so it was pretty clear that, that it wasn't the right path for me. And then podcasting came along and just the like kind of you get a real immediate feedback from stand up. Yeah. They either laugh or they don't. And you don't get that from podcasting. Big people in the room. Yeah, that's true. That's something. But you get you get so much warmth from the audience uh, in a podcast. Like people write you to tell you how much they're enjoying it or how important it is to them. And that is something I rarely got. You never got a letter like, from somebody saying they liked your stand-up? Well, I got, like, people would come up to you after yeah. the show. But then sometimes people would be coming up to the guy next to you, and they would be like, eh, you weren't so good. Like, people, a drunk person at the end of the show is rude. I think maybe one of the key differences, too, is there aren't a lot of people who are, like, accidentally listening to your podcast mm-hmm. in the same way that, you know, people just go see. Yeah. This is a common complaint, right? People people don't really go see music, right? Mm-hmm. People go see bands. But people will just go see a stand-up. Yeah. They won't be there for you at all. Yes. Or they'll go see, yeah, they'll, you know, go to a club because they might know the headliner, but they don't know the two or three yeah. acts are going before. And the people booking the club don't really... You know, don't try to necessarily put together a cohesive... I'm sure they're just trying to fill up the calendar is yeah. the, main, and, the main job. And in general, that's fine. The people who discover you on a podcast, especially back like when we started in 2008... It's crazy that that is ancient podcast yeah. history at this point. But it was like the, we uh, 
We used to chart. <laughs> like, no, we're never on the charts anymore. But there were just so few po- comedy podcasts. Joe Rogan came along and just blew everyone away. Yeah, he right? invented uh, <laughs> yeah. He reinvented it. Uh, but, uh, yeah, like, it was a lot easier to just stumble onto a show. And if you don't like it, you just stop listening. Like, it's not like a comedy club where you've, oh, I've already paid for two drinks. I gotta get my money's worth. I have to stay in this seat and and be miserable listening to this comedian I hate. Did you have, like, a particularly miserable experience at stand-up was there a moment when it was clear like i just i I can't go back to this no there was never it was not never like a a switch flip you kind of you phased out over time yeah definitely it's not something you could go back to or can dabble in i yeah but you don't yeah i guess i like you also need to write jokes based on you know what you're gonna do like based on based on knowing <laughs> you you're... can't just riff up there well you can some yeah. people can but just like the idea of sure I, I really had a habit of you know anytime a thought crossed my mind that oh this might be a bit i would write it down i would then i'd like when it was time to to come up with new material i'd you know have all these bits of paper and mm-hmm. post-it notes i'd pull out and this is before iphones were invented yeah basically yeah <laughs> And I would, you know, try to cobble together, what did I mean by that? And end up with a couple more minutes of material. And I really totally got out of the habit of doing that. Yeah. And every, like, dumb idea I have now, I just tweet. I talked to a lot of cartoonists, and this always fascinates me, is the way in which people kind of filter their perception through what they do. So, you know, if you're not a biographical cartoonist, for example, you know, you're, like, basically thinking of the world in three panels. Mm-hmm. Um, it's similar from the standpoint of writing jokes in that, like, you're constantly, like, looking for material. Did that have a, a profound impact on the way you interact with things and people? Yeah, maybe. Like, I remember definitely watching movies and yeah. being, like, in a movie theater, and an actor would do something, and I'd be like, oh, it's weird that he did that. And I have to remember that thing, <laughs> like, that's not part of the plot, but I, I can't, like, take out a, a notepad and, you know, write down, you know, or I saw someone wearing a dumb shirt in a movie. I'm like, oh, yeah, that shirt reminds me. Like, I could make a bit out of that. And so the whole time I'm watching a movie, I'm, like, repeating things back in my head because yeah. I can't. It's, it would be rude to take out a pen and paper in the middle of a movie theater. So, but I don't, it didn't really affect the way I interacted with people because I don't interact with people. <laughs> <laughs> One thing that pretty consistently amazes me about your show is that, I mean, granted they're not always great, but you and Graham are always able to come up with overheards. Yes. I'm constantly, like, walking around the city. I'm like, I think I... um called in one to you guys one time about five or six years ago and i don't think i've had one since are you on the lookout for them um yes i'm like so that's another thing like doing this show every week we have i bring something to talk about and so does graham and we bring an overheard it's something to talk about that i mean that seems like the pretty easy thing right i I mean mean, something will have happened to you not like yeah it's pretty easy but you know some weeks you're like sure this is I took the kids to school and brought them home and yeah. that was it and nothing happened or something happened to someone who I don't feel comfortable telling a story about <laughs> in public. So you have to kind of, sometimes you just come up with the dumbest, like my phone charger broke and so I, I had to go a day without my phone and yeah. that was interesting for some reason. <laughs> and then the overheard is like, we've we've always got a secret cache of yep. them going. Like, how, how many on your phone right now, how many would you say you have? Six, I think. Six, six. Okay. And uh, I, do you want one of them? Oh, will you, get, will you give this, me one? This is one from being in New York. I mean, your your show will probably come out before mine does. Yeah, I know. Anyway. I, 
I think we can overlap. Okay. I feel safe with that. I just remember the first day we were in New York, yeah. there were some women walking behind us, and one of them said, New York, the big heart. And <laughs> it's, well, pretty, it's pretty good. I don't think that's what it's called. Yeah, no, that's a, no, it's a, it's the apple. Yeah, right? Yeah. But, I mean, she's not wrong. Yeah. A lot of love in the city. Exactly. The shirts all have the heart yeah. on them. Yeah, I mean, you might you must feel, though, like, if you're, you're coming to a new city, like, especially something that's, like, as densely packed as New York, that it presents a lot of good opportunities. Yes. Again, because, you know, you've got the kids, you're, you're I, I assume, like, most of us, you're pretty much going from, like, the office or this the supermarket to your home, and there, that doesn't really present a lot of opportunities. No, yeah. Graham rides the bus, so he's yeah. always got something. Now, do you think Graham rides the bus because of overheards? No, okay. it's uh, if you knew Graham, it would be yeah. like it's. There's nothing more on brand, sure, than him on the bus. But uh, yeah, no, I'm always like it. It's sometimes I feel like in Vancouver, I'm enough of a like. There's definitely some neighborhoods where people give me a look, like they know who I am, yeah. and I feel like then they're on their guard. Have you ever been in a situation where it felt like somebody was trying to tee up an overheard? Uh, no, I don't think so. But I, I feel like that. that I'm not I'm not there yet. You're not at that level I'm of not, celebrity, you mean? Or? Oh no, I think actually one of I think it must have been Graham. Someone yeah. his overheard was oh, I think it's that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's that guy who does those overheards yeah. and that was his overheard. Six is pretty good, but there must be weeks where you just you don't have anything. Yeah. And, and you got you just got to go through your phone and be like, "What did I take a picture yeah. of? Did I take a picture of some dumb sign somewhere?" Sure. Or there are weeks where it's clear that you're really kind of scraping the bottom. Sometimes of the Abby list. is like, my wife yeah. gives gives me something okay. just because there's no rules. Like we're just sure. we're just trying to keep the show moving. Sure. Or in the same way that clearly Graham takes the bus for overheards. You know, you had two children, which helps. Yeah, uh, and they say dumb things all yeah. the time, and so do their friends. And going back to that <laughs> barrel. Over and over and over of my kids saying something, uh, I feel like that will get old just because, you know, they're... They will get old. Well, they will get old, but also, like, uh, week after week. Dave, what is it this week? Uh, it's another thing my kids said. Dave, do you do anything else? Do you ever leave the house? How quickly did you sort of settle on those two primary sections of the show? That was episode one. Like, really? we had... We had, like... Because bits come and go. They mostly go now. Sure. Uh, we, we had... When we started the show... Graham had never heard a podcast. He was like, I don't think we can... F-. He had done stand-up. Mm-hmm. And, like, to fill 45 minutes, that's your whole career. So he was like... I don't Two f- people talking to each other, three people talking to yeah, each other yeah. helps quite a bit. Yeah. And so he was like, I don't think we'll be able to, f- to fill that time. And I was like, oh, sure, we will. But just in case, let's come up with some segment ideas. This was before podcasts had, like, <laughs> an idea of, like, we're just going to talk about murder. Or we're just going to sure. talk about, uh, you know, movies. Yeah. So we were just like, okay, well, we'll talk about what we did that week, and we'll talk about things we've overheard, and then we had a bunch of, you know, nicknames for people in our neighborhood, and, like, stunt casting, recasting Mm -hmm. an old movie with new actors. Um, Celebrity crush hat. Celebrity crush hat, what celebrity you had a crush on (laughs) at a various age, and yeah, we had tons of them, and then eventually the shows are just long enough with those two yeah you think between now and whenever the show should happen to end it's really it's just going to be those two that those are going to sustain it through the life of the show because uh, it's been to what 10 years now at this point yeah well like now we we get in a rotation of we have so many familiar guests and they come on usually once a year 
or no more than once a year, maybe once every two years, people move out of Vancouver, go to mm -hmm. Toronto, new comedians rise up that we want to talk to. And so it's like people, guests kind of get in that groove of, you know, I need to have something to talk about and I need an overheard just to sustain this show I'm going to be on. And if, you know, something, if, an, if a fun idea comes up, we'll follow it. But in the sense of like, coming up with a segment and like having a theme song for it and repeating it next week and that that's kind of gone. I think for a lot of people stand-up comedy ends up being kind of a means to an end, right? You know, they want to have an acting career or a writing career or something else and it, it's sort of a, a way to get there. I guess I got the impression, you know, reading an interview that you were doing that early on you were expecting that podcasting would potentially lead to something else down the road. Mm. And it's led to more podcasting. <laughs> yeah. You do too now. Yeah. Was that the expectation that, you know, that a TV show or a writing gig or something else would come out of it at some point? Yeah, I guess so. Like, not as, yeah, I don't know if it was a TV show, but it was just like, we didn't think we would still be doing it. <laughs> 12 years later. Well, Graham didn't know what it was, to be yeah, fair. You at least knew, you knew what it was, but I guess maybe the world didn't exactly know what yeah. podcasting was. And it was, you didn't know, like, we wouldn't be doing it still if there was no way to make money at it. Yeah. I don't do anything for free. Sure. You oh, know, <laughs> we didn't have this conversation. Yeah. You get... <laughs> yeah, I guess I don't like it, but it was, if I had an idea of what it would lead to, it was not a specific idea. I, I guess I just thought I would be, you know, meet more people through the show and maybe they would be doing something and that's sort of how like i write this other podcast mm -hmm. called this sounds serious and that's through someone i'm pat kelly who i met doing my show uh his company makes it so and i got like i used to work at cbc and i that i kind of got that job because of who i was a guy with a podcast you were doing branded content at one point as I, well, yeah right? at one point yeah. i was doing a, a podcast for slack as well how was that experience bad yeah. <laughs> just like working for a, a company in that way or actually just like making – essentially making long commercials for people. Uh, yeah. Uh, all of it. Uh, yeah. No, I, I left CBC to work at this company and that company kind of imploded and it was okay. just a bad experience overall. And then like none of the shows – I was making these little kind of segments for this podcast and it was – you know, some of the segments are good. But yeah. it was just that grind of like the show had no – kind of vision of what it was supposed to be and it was like a we we're very understaffed and was it a situation where you like didn't want to tell people that that was a thing you were working on no it was fine but it was like i couldn't imagine who would listen to yeah. that and obviously you don't have the same sense of pride or ownership that you do when you're making it yourself yeah yeah it's like and plus it was so kind of convoluted of like i work for this company that makes a show for this other company that you may have heard of that does mess. It's a messaging yeah. app, and the show is you may be forced to use. Yeah, and the show is about workplace stuff and tech stuff, and that's not really my forte. But I'm trying to do like a comedic side of it, and you know, some weeks I'm, I would miss the mark. Sure, <laughs> I wouldn't feel too motivated to do it. Anything can feel that way. I mean, I'm, I'm sure even stop podcasting yourself feels like that. Sometimes mm. some weeks are better than others. Some some days you probably roll yeah. out of bed and don't necessarily want to do it. Oh, I always want to do it. Some but some weeks I feel like we miss a little bit, but sure. it's always in the right ballpark. Like it's the show I want to be making. Yeah, 
I don't have any kind of like, why am I doing this? Like I always, like I know on paper, I'm like, why am I doing this? Like this is a very dumb thing to do. I have this to some degree in what I do in that I certainly had no expectations that I would be doing this because this job didn't exist when I was growing up. This was not a thing that like ostensibly a professional blogger. This was not a thing that I was like, when I grow up, that's the thing I want to do. It just didn't exist. Yeah. And it's, it's, yeah. But emotionally, I still feel like I want to do it. But yeah, like... If you told me 12 years ago, you're going to be talking about dumb stuff every week, I'd be like, well, that sounds like something I'm going to love, but who's who's going to still be yeah. listening? But apparently some people are. It's just tenuous. And I, I always kind of feel this way about all of the jobs because I've, you know, worked in publishing for 15 years in New York City. And, you know, I think it's just at a point now things are constantly shifting and will continue to constantly shift wherein I expect to maybe hold a, a job down for like two, three years. Podcasting is like really even more tenuous you know this mm-hmm. the branded content is, is a good example of that of somebody just sort of trying it out obviously the cbc or if you're working for npr it, you know it's a little more solid but it's kind of hard or impossible to plan your career around podcasting at this point yes it is uh impossible to but on maximum fun it helps that you know we do it all ourselves like we ha- have our own studio mm-hmm. we have our own setup we we the studio is in your house. Yeah. yeah. We record it. We edit it ourselves. You're doing all the editing? Yes. How much time does that take? Too much time. Well, yeah. And it doesn't have to. I... All the ums, all the... No, not the ums, but all the lip smacks, yeah. all the breaths, all the weird mouth noises. I knew I was doing it too long when I can recognize what an um looks like in mm-hmm. a waveform. Yeah, and the for me, it's the little lip smack that comes Where... after um. um. There's just like a big yeah. vertical line. And you just I yeah. t- take all those out, and it's usually about I don't know six a- six hours a week, and so most like I fall asleep Friday and Saturday <laughs> nights editing. <laughs> so you had to teach yourself how to do all that? Uh, kind of. I went to broadcasting okay. school, and I was a, I worked as a video editor before stand up. Same basic principle. Yeah, and but we don't. I don't really edit. Like the show is we record for yeah. ninety minutes, and it's we release a 90 minute episode and it's we take out I, I i don't really edit i mix basically there's a lot of guests like please remove this that actually ends up in the final mix of the show oh yeah yeah where it's like g- generally joking but yeah, i assume yeah. that afterwards you have to have a serious conversation i've had conversations with people where i've had to go back and pull stuff out of the show yeah, they were, like, oh yeah comfortable or we've definitely had that but it's like that's i think one of the oldest podcast jokes sure. is <laughs> It is. It's a joke, but it's also serious. Sometimes it's like, oh, God, like I really is that what I want going out into the world? Yeah, yeah. Like you yeah. have the power to take this out if That's you want to. And people will tell it, but like it's maybe one yeah. in a, every one hundred will will have something that they said. Oh, I shouldn't have talked about my old roommate like yeah. that. Yeah. That's a specific example I probably shouldn't have mentioned. <laughs> well, you know, there's, uh, what, like 300 guests at the show at this point. It's probably pretty yeah. hard to, to nail that had roommates. Down. Yeah. So you and Graham start the show. He doesn't really know what a podcast is, hasn't listened to it before. You know, at what point do you actually, like, build a legitimate studio? Well, it's not... Um, well, you have mics on arms and yeah, I assume yeah, some sort true. of soundproofing. It's probably better than this setup. Nah, not much. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a table with mics on okay. it and a uh, computer. And, yeah. But it's just like... And it's, you know, it's pretty dedicated. When I work at home, mm-hmm. I it, it's also just the office. But in every, we always had two-bedroom apartments. And so we always had an extra bedroom that we would use for whatever. Like, we uh, we were talking the other day, my wife and I, about how before we had a laptop, we would have the computer room. <laughs> like, 
we would be watching TV and we'd be like, oh, what's that actor from? I'm going to run to the computer room and look it up on imdb.com and... I'll try to make it back by the next commercial break. I love that you said before we had a laptop and not before we had, like, smartphones. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I, I do feel like I'm entering a certain age where there are those those cutoffs that I'm experiencing right now. The people that I'm starting to work with just absolutely Don't. didn't experience, have no frame of reference yeah. for those things. And just, like, having a desktop computer yeah. in a dedicated room, not even, like, with, you know, cable internet and stuff. Like, where I'm not talking about the, uh, the dial-up sounds and everything. Which was, like, I feel like the last wave of nostalgia. You know, the way you were describing podcaster earlier is, I think, exactly that sort of thing, where it was just like, you know, we know what the format is, we know people are listening to these things literally on their iPods, but Mm -hmm. nobody really quite knows what to do with it now. It was that format of, this is that too, of just two people sort of talking to each other. Now, obviously, that's changed. Serial was a game changer for a lot of people, and that that's obviously informed your other show mm. quite a bit. Do you have regrets that you weren't, that you didn't have something, I guess, a little more thought out when you first started doing it? Um, yes and no. Like, when you, you look at other shows, like, I remember when the Earwolf show, Who Charted, came mm-hmm. along. And every week, they just count down the top five movies, the top five yeah. songs, and react to them with a guest, and learn about the guest through that. And I thought that was such a great idea, and repeatable week after week. But I feel like there's, in general, the, the average format for a show, it just runs out of steam. Our show might be, stop podcasting yourself, you know, might be basic and uh, have no premise but uh, we can do it over and over and over i feel like you there with a lot of shows either as the listener or as the creator you're like why am i still involved in this show like why do i care week after week about murder or (laughs) bad movies or like why do i want to hear people talk about 500 bad movies sure i mean i think there's a reason why a show like serial and most of those murder podcasts are our seasons you know mm-hmm. or our set number it's, it's a lot easier to sort of like construct that versus having to come every single week for 10 years to try to further the story along yeah and they're also you know the production yeah production heavy yeah. and hours and hours i have to go into you know a minute of the show which you're now experiencing yeah. that side of things with this sound serious our scripted uh, true crime show which is like started off as kind of a uh just kind of like a, a spoof on these true crime mm-hmm. shows because there were so many at the time and uh i is guess it, is it not still that it still is yeah but, but it's like we kind of have broadened what like it what we basically the first season was about a murder the second season's about a missing person the third season's about a different thing coming out but it's like we we had to kind of expand what we uh, wanted to include in these shows because we felt uncomfortable doing murder after murder <laughs> just the subject matter was yeah. too dark or yeah like we we with season 1 it's a a weatherman gets murdered mm-hmm. And which is hilarious, it's, yeah. And yeah. but like we were like, uh, statistically speaking, <laughs> eh, most of these murders are women, and yeah. we we're, yeah. we don't yeah. feel great writing a story yeah. about it. And so we had to kind of expand what what our influences were, and like kind of get into like let's listen to shows about con men and listen to shows about just like general mysteries and not necessarily murders as a as like an influence were you listening to a lot of these shows already yeah we were like they were based on serial and kind of like the jinx the mm. uh the documentary series Robert durst yeah, yeah bobby d and 
and other like making a murderer and well, a lot of like kind of uh, visual um, things. But also, what was the one? What was the Florida one? Uh, but the guy, the clockmaker. Anyway, no idea. Yeah. <laughs> Why visual though? Uh, or just because like those that that was those were like kind of, yeah exactly, yeah. and everyone that was working on the show had seen those things. So did you have to? study though i mean even though you were somewhat familiar with it were you sitting down and watching or listening to hours of these things um we yeah like someone would suggest actually this show is pretty good about a missing person and this show is about a cult and maybe we could steal something from that and so you know you you kind of listen just for research but it ends up being you know like it's it's all stuff you're interested in um, or I'm interested in so I you know I would listen to oh Dave you should check out Dr. Death because that'll be uh, I feel like we could use something from that mm-hmm. and, and, you know there's a in season two we keep repeating the host keeps repeating that the story this story happened because the system failed and so that was a theme we went back to and we were like oh that's in Dr. Death a lot and it's also in this other thing and so like we just try to steal dumb stuff from, from these real podcasts like the main and we, like at the start of a season we'll write down a bunch of tropes we want to use and like usually someone has been listening like a character has been listening to the podcast and then calls in with some breaking news that'll that changes everything mm-hmm. in the story or the host of the show is you know it sounds like they kind of have a crush on the suspect which was like the sarah koenig and yeah. Syed thing in serial yeah. yeah it was real weird yeah so, <laughs> so we always try to include like the story is primary but we like to get these dumb podcasting tropes of just like yeah, maybe our host just is like the way she describes characters. Maybe she's kind of has a crush on everyone she ever sees. It sounds like you're kind of figuring out a little bit as you go along to some degree. But are you sitting down and writing all the scripts out at the beginning of the season? Yeah, before you start recording. Yeah, we we write um, the basically the host. So we plot out the story, uh, and then we plot out all the beats of each episode and what we think the host would say, like, you know, and how, and basically different audio treatments we want to use because mm. uh, with the season one, it was great that this person was a weatherman because we could have all these old clips and wouldn't it be great if his twin brother was in a boy band and so we can have music playing and then... I mean, really, it's like writing a radio play. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we just don't, like, it's uh, it's too easy to just have the host and then a clip and the host and then a clip and like the host and then someone on the phone and, and go bouncing back and forth from that. We want to just like, we wanted to see what would like be interesting to listen to, what wouldn't be too repetitive uh, and what would be if the host was like, oh, and I just discovered this, you know, this, the, the, the cult member actually was making videos, holding a video camera videotaping everyone in the cult so we have this audio source and so we we come up with the story and then we write basically what the host says word for word Mm. and then the clips are kind of note form because we have a lot of improvisers acting with us and so we will say we want you to say this line but we'll make it sound as real as possible so like change change the language to whatever way you talk uh you know the host is the most dry character in the show, mm-hmm. so like everything else can be funny. But so, so like all the improvisers are encouraged to come up with their own kind of two or three different takes on it. Could you see yourself doing something like that in sort of a more serious format? I mean, could you see yourself at some point working on a serial? Or I mean, obviously it's helpful that you've got that you're working with comedians that you know, yeah. and that it's funny, and that it's not going to depress the shit out of you because yeah. you're dealing with a murder for a year. It's also yeah, it's like. 
the way you put together one of like a real thing is you pick up all the clips, you interview people, yeah. you you find footage, and then you have to, you know, write this host story around it. This this, this is a lot more convenient because you can know the story you want to do and then be like huh wouldn't it be cool if we had a clip of uh someone in prison you know or like that that someone making a collect call from prison but then you get that sort of pre-recorded message of this call is coming from the whatever correctional facility so you're kind of working backwards i do not think i could could come up with a uh work backwards on a or it works the right way on a <laughs> proper true crime thing. Do you think there's another genre right now that's really kind of ripe for satirizing in the same way? I mean, obviously, true crime has just, like, completely dominated the medium of the past, mm-hmm. you know, few years. What? Uh, I mean, there's, like, that kind of... I guess there there are offshoots of true crime yeah. of, like, you know... Yeah. Uh, the show about multi-level marketing. And, yeah. Which is... Or shows about cults and stuff that are not necessarily crimes. What is it about that genre that lends itself so well to podcasting? I don't know. Because it's it's not new. Yeah. It's like a 48 hours mystery or... Sure. Or cold case files or... But all of a sudden, everything. Every, every... I mean, to be fair, like every documentary also became true crime too Mm -hmm. so there is just something in the air but maybe there's something about the audio format and clips that that lend itself to that yeah it's it's i don't know if it's something that you're like is it because it's a personal and it's right in your ears and no one else is listening to it but you the serialization is a big part of it right i mean it's it's an easy way to kind of to hook people to get them Mm -hmm. to listen to the next episode yeah so it does lend itself you know to like a a mini series yes that's true yeah, so like knowing that you're going to have a cliffhanger at the end of this episode that people are going to come back to. The what what I hate is when they when you when you love a show and then they're like, "And episode 7, it's just going to be Q&A with the host." Yeah. And you're like, "Well, that's yeah, they call that the bottle episode on like yeah. TV shows. Like, remember the episode of Breaking Bad where they're trying to kill a fly yeah. for an hour? It's it's basically the audio. But that was that. entertaining. At yeah, least. that's fair. <laughs> it's like that, but bad, and yeah, nobody exactly. wants to listen to it. I think last time I spoke to you, well, last time I like officially interviewed you, you and Graham for the show remotely, it was for our debut album. Yes. What was the impetus behind that? That was a. Uh, I forget why we started it. It was a show where where we wrote one song. Yeah. In every episode. We had an hour to write a song, and we're not songwriters. Mm-hmm. And you have some musical yeah, background, but we we we're so as comedians and people, not just as comedians, but as people who have comedian friends and have funny friends and people who you know don't take themselves seriously. It felt like writing music, to, to write music and lyrics uh, is so like you're putting your heart out and you you're really just like setting your friends up to make fun of you. I don't know whose quote it was, but it was somebody who was friends with Kids in the Hall describing Kids in the Hall as the least musical group of people okay. we had ever met. When music and comedy cross over, it's usually not pretty. Yeah, and we were like, and the point of our show was to not write comedy songs. Yeah. We were trying to write serious songs and like, uh, if Huey Lewis can say that the power of love is rich like cream, then, and no one made fun of him for yeah. it, then... To be fair, Marty McFly was hoverboarding as he was saying that. <laughs> yeah. so. But it's it like the if if Graham and I came up with yeah, the power of love is it's rich like cream. Sure. Like my older brother would be like, <laughs> "You idiot!" Uh, but so we thought it would be like that. We thought it, it was a comedy show, and we thought it would be you know a lot of comedy would be 
coming out of us, you know, banging our heads against the wall, coming up with the worst rhymes for things before we settled on something that sounded like a, a You nice... were trying to make a good thing. Yeah, yeah, we were trying and to not write... just a show, but the album itself was, you wanted it to be a standalone Yeah, product. we wanted it to be a comedy show making making good music, like making a solid, you know, uh, respectable, you know, rock album, pop album. And so the first half of the show, of each episode, we wrote the song, and then the second half... We met up with our friend who who's a producer, and we recorded it, and then we would sell the song at the end, and that's how we paid for the show. And it kind of, like, it, it was successful, mm-hmm. but it was just too... It wasn't successful enough. <laughs> Getting back to the idea of maybe having some regret that there wasn't a stricter format for the show, this is a good example of the show that you and Graham potentially could have had. Yes, and it was... It was um, uh, like the fact that it was a, we knew it was going to be twelve songs. It'll, like we knew it would have an end. That you know, it it. I feel it was successful because you know we didn't lose money on it. We uh, people enjoyed it. I thought it was good, and uh, the the actual album itself was halfway decent. You know, there's some nice songs on there, uh, but it's just like. It was. It's so much work to to put together compared to our show where we record for mm-hmm. an hour or ninety minutes and put out a ninety minute episode. This was like we record ourselves writing a song, and then I have to make a demo of the song for our producer, and then we go record the song with our producer, and I bring my recorder to that recording session so I can take clips of that. And so I bring those clips back. We Graham and I record again together and throw to the clips of, like, then we recorded the guitars. And, that, and so it ended up being, like, just, like, so many working or moving pieces yeah. that it was just overwhelming for what the final product did you expect that it was going to be a single season was it something you thought you might do more in the future yeah i thought we could do it again but yeah it's, but no but i also thought it would be like <laughs> the kind of thing where like maybe someone someone would hire us to do it for them like oh yeah you know i really like this idea i want to do that can you make the show for us like kind of a portfolio piece of like we're not like i'm a professional working in the podcasting field i have you know 900 hours of me making dick jokes with my friends sure. but i also yeah. can actually make a, yeah. a decent sh- like serial serialized show maybe not in the format of of the album itself but you know do, do you see yourself doing that sort of thing in the future where whether it's with Graham or somebody else where you're just doing this sort of like quick not quick but this sort of one-off kind of thing yeah maybe uh was this sound serious? Was, was the idea to have it be an ongoing thing? It was, uh, I think it was supposed to be four seasons at first. I think mm. it, it... And you're working on three now. We're working on three now. I don't know if we'll do four because things have shifted, but I don't, I don't know exactly what's happening with that. But it is, or maybe they'll do four and I won't. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's sort of shifted in terms of, or, yeah, like I, the idea going in was, we're going to do more seasons of this. The original idea was it was going to be kind of like American Horror Story mm-hmm. that has... Same basic cast of Yeah, people same basic cast, like yeah. a, kind of a company that makes a different story every year. And it sort of is that, and it sort of isn't. We, we, we keep the main character, but we switch out the story and all the supporting characters every year now. When did podcasting become your full-time thing? I guess in about 20... 
14. Okay. Oh, okay. So that's, that's, what, six years or something it yeah. took about? When I left. Because well, I, I was making some podcasts at CBC while <laughs> making Stop Podcasting Yourself. But there were other stuff to do at CBC. And then I left and started making this other podcast for Slack uh, in 2014. And that's when it was my full-time thing. And I... And then, yeah, every other job I've had since has been basically making podcasts. I spent a while. I was I was basically forced to freelance again because I've like in publishing and I've been laid off twice. I'm just I am not cut out for freelancing. I'm just terrible at it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I need to come to this office. I need I need to not only know where the next paycheck is coming from, but you know, like I, I need a place to work. I need to leave my sure. apartment. Do you find it difficult to do this for a living? It's nice having stop podcasting yourself as like a base. Where I know roughly we on maximum fun we we have a, a funding drive mm-hmm. every uh, March, and knowing basically what I'm going to be making per month from that uh, over the next year we we it goes down every month because people's you know credit cards expire and stuff every month, not every year no, it goes up every year okay. and then goes down month month okay. <laughs> All right, well, you're starting from a higher place and yeah. you're falling off of yeah, exactly, and then knowing that. It's, you know, more comfortable knowing that I, um, you know, whatever other thing I have, if, you know, if another job ends, I still have income coming in from this thing that I'm doing every week. And I'm in such a, um, such a habit of doing it every week that like that has been set for the last decade. I know I'm, Graham and I are going to make this show. We're going to get together once a week and make this show. The, everything on top of that is like, you know, le- it's important to have another job. Not only like, you know, Vancouver being expensive, but I, I'm sure that having two children completely changes the math on that. Oh, totally. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, like having a, a somewhere to go every day as well. Like, yeah. It, it, it's nice, you know, that I, I, I mean, some weeks I do like fall asleep editing on Friday and Saturday nights. And that isn't great because... I, you know, I work at my other, I work making this sound serious three days a week, but you know, so I go into the office four days a week and uh, I, I probably, I don't feel good doing my own work when I'm at the office. So I'm like, ah, well, I, yeah, like we're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I end up probably working more hours on, on both jobs than I should. Uh, but it's good that one of them is out of the house. And so I, one of them is in the house and one of them yeah. is out of the house. So I can, you know, get work done. It's hard to work with your kids running around the house, that's what I mean. I forget the question, I'll admit that, but it is, boy, boy, this life of mine is sure is colorful. <laughs> when you started podcasting, uh, that there was really kind of like no no frame of reference, and, and that, and certainly when we were growing up, there just, there was, there was no podcasting. Are you happy enough with it that you could see yourself doing this in some form or another for the rest of your professional life? Um, yeah, in some form or another, definitely. Yeah. Like I, I definitely, I think back of, uh, I think of like when I was a teenager, if I met my younger self, I think, uh, my younger self would be pretty happy with what I do. Um, and I, I know I'm happy with it. And like, it's weird to kind of think of the future in terms of, you know, making a podcast because who knows what sure. anyone will like space the, the, yeah or the fact that you know apple could stop supporting them tomorrow sure. and oh, how much of your of your uh audience 
disappears. Like, I used to... Um, I feel like so many blogs disappeared because Google Reader... This is something that we and every single other outlet dealt with was everybody put their basket in video and Facebook had just completely lied oh. about the hits. So that's why you've oh. seen like several very prominent sites just completely go out of business that like the algorithm can change and yeah, the, yeah, yeah. the carpet will just be pulled out from under you. Yeah, you've built your, your house yeah. on someone else's property. That Yeah, so like... The fact that I feel like so much of the success of podcasts is based on the fact that they have pod in their name and <laughs> Apple sells an iPod. <laughs> like, well, that's it, maybe not as much anymore. Not but, as much yeah. anymore, but like the sure. fact it got them, it, it kind of made it synonymous with Apple and like, oh, I, oh, I hear about these podcasts. Should I get yeah. an, should I buy an iPod? Like, I feel like somewhere in the back of someone's mind, it was like, <laughs> let's have Apple and podcasts be synonymous and one day, if Apple is like, "Oh, we're going to take them off the the iTunes Store," I don't like. I don't use the Apple uh, podcast app, so I'll still be able to find them. But would the average person yeah. be like, "Eh, I guess these aren't that important to me"? <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I guess I'll read a book on the yeah. train today, or whatever. Some kind of I'll put on my yeah. VR mask <laughs> on the train and go to work. There you go. That was Dave Shumka of Stop Podcasting Yourself. Also, season two of This Sounds Serious is out now. Thanks so much to Dave for taking the time to do that on his New York trip. Thanks to you, as always, for listening to the program. If you like the show, there are a number of ways to support us. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Tumblr. That's rlcast.tumblr.com. If you have any feedback, it's rlcast at gmail.com. And that's about all we got for this week so stick around because we're going to be back just about this time next week with another episode of RIYL. 